Okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> it's gonna be really emotional. There is no loss for being honest. The real work of life is the work that we do inside ourselves. The responsibility we feel towards the world, like questioning, challenging, say something. Raw and vulnerable and open conversation. That was the best part. I'm scared of the friendship. Taking a breath. Just talk. Shame and guilt. Vulnerabilities. <laughs> that was about to be What does it really mean to be friends? We trust the real work that we do is overcoming our insecurities every day and learning how to love more. It has examples of the change we want to see in the world. Just talk. taking a breath. So if we just take a breath. Well, my face is on fire from the doctors. <laughs> To have healthier relationships with women, they need healthier relationships with other men. The real work of life is the work that we do inside ourselves. So I'm in an open relationship with my husband, and my husband and I sold our house ten months ago. We have twins that are four years old, we travel around the world, and this is my boyfriend. Hi! <laughs> Perfect! Hi. Hi. Welcome to Amory Podcast. This is Megan Batia. So we just recorded two episodes that we're releasing for the end of 2019. One of me talking with Kyle and one of me talking with Marty. 2019 was a big year for all of us. And during these recordings, we had a chance to reflect on some of the incredible things that happened, some of the scary things, and definitely all the growth that happened because of the relationship structure that we have. So my wish for you going into 2020 is that you have a moment just to reflect on this last year. 2019, everything that you've done, who you've become, the fears that you've conquered, the insecurities you've let go of, and all the lives that you've touched. Because I know from my heart to yours, all of you have touched our lives, um, mine, Kyle's, Marty's, very profoundly. Um, definitely with the words that you've shared with us by letting us know how much this podcast has meant to you. And I know that there are so many of you around the world that love uh, more than one person at a time and feel, feel like you can't share that. And I feel like we've been lucky enough and we've been honored to be your voice to, to share this. And we hope that you go into 2020 with really with confidence and love and with the intention of more growth through your, your amazing relationships. We're so, so happy to have been a part of your life this year and so grateful. So without further ado, please enjoy these episodes. Let us know what you think. And please, please, please know that we've got lots of fun, amazing things coming up for 2020. Hi, Marty. Hi, Megan. <laughs> uh, it's kind of funny taking you serious now. You have the best cute little top knot made out of hot pink hair ties right now yes it's very cute thank you this is the longest my hair has been <laughs> and it's at that perfect length where it falls right into my eyes <laughs> i'll take a picture and put it on patreon it's very nice. very adorable all right anyway i'm really excited to to record this one because it's the end of 2019 right now and we're in sydney australia australia sydney australia it's beautifully warm we just celebrated holidays just together here with some friends and it's been really amazing i feel like this is the perfect time to reflect on this past year i really do like new year's as well so all we've done god this year 2019 was a big fucking year the year of cleanup yeah it was ridiculous so what i'd love to do is just reflect on some of the things that we went through together 
um, maybe some of our biggest challenges and some of the biggest delights, surprises, and I don't know, yeah, maybe how we've surprised each other. I kind of like that, that idea. Cool. Yeah. Sound good? Sounds good. Oh, I got to give you a kiss. Mm, I love you. I love you too. Okay. So January of 2019, we were still in Chicago. We uh, you were for most Yeah. Of you were in India for a little while. Yeah. But we were right about to sell our house. I think sold that was on January 9th. Yeah. And then we traveled around like the Chicagoland area with homeless our kids. Gypsies. Yeah. Homeless gypsies with families. Which, okay. By the way, I highly recommend if you do a launch into the world like we did, that you do a soft launch where you're from because we learned a lot in those six weeks. For one, I went to India for two weeks for a wedding. I'm half Indian and my nephew got married. And then we went to with my brother and my dad. And then in the process, you had to manage the kids without a house, yeah. living out of suitcases. Yep. And I don't think I stayed in the same place more than two days in a row couches and beds and all over the place and different houses but we learned a lot about what we were missing what we need and it was much easier when you could just drive down the road to the store you already know to get what you need rather than be you know in portuguese and doing that yeah it was a great soft launch but i think looking back on it we were still very much in a survival mode and we were yeah we were in survival and shock (laughs) And we knew we wanted to get to warm weather and kind of, I f- maybe now I can describe it as get to a place, literally an environment and a place of safety, but I didn't know it then. And that is your phrase. What yeah. is your fr- I, we no, can say it again and again. Get to a again. place of safety and, and then attack. So if you're not in a place of safety, get to a place of safety and then attack. Or create. Or create. Like, 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 yeah, if we switch it to create. But the idea, yeah, to get to a place of safety, the idea to get to a place of safety and Brazil being hot. Chicago being Arctic, Arctic subarctic, freezing. like it was, it was one of the coldest we had. And and if you don't know, Chicago winters, it's not just the temperature, it is the combination of shitastic weather of ice and cold and wind and rain and freeze and then negative thirty degree Fahrenheit. It's horrible. You just don't yeah, want to be there. Don't. It's yeah, that's bad. I'm having PTSD just talking about Sorry. it. Sorry. <laughs> No, but back to where we were and leaving to go to Brazil. And I think at that point, the kids were just three and a half. And so now the kids are four and a half. And our daughter just learned how to poop in the toilet. (laughs) Right. It was a a huge thing. We were so scared that she just refused. And here we are. House is already sold. Like we have, we're closing soon. And then in December, somehow I get this little girl to sit on the toilet and she probably, she tries and she finally does it and never turns back. And I was yeah. like, we just did it last minute. <laughs> that last piece of the puzzle. Oh my gosh. I'm so proud of us. This year of travel, we went from having a super routine life to really for me, figuring out home, really home is wherever we are together. I didn't have a super routine life. Ah. I mean, we did and we didn't. So it wasn't super routine, but we had like we had a physical place and location and we had the same people kind of coming in and out of our lives. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we had I, I think it was more. It's I think it's more routine than what we have now. Yeah. Anything's more. We, routine we basically now show up to a new place and give ourselves a couple of days to get acclimated. But I've also found the patterns in all of that, because no matter where we went, there was always the same set of things that we would do. It gets very primal. Yeah, right. it's like food, it's shelter. Water, shelter, right? And because we have so little 
things. There's less things to manage. And then there's just the experience to manage. And, you know, we've learned how to share rooms with kids and not share rooms with kids. We've learned how to select Airbnbs. We've learned how to navigate other people's homes when we're being hosted without kids or with kids and all of that. So, yes, we've it makes it very primal. Yeah. I'm so proud of our kids, too. I'm so happy that we've been able to create this experience. So if in 20 years, little Kira and Sebastian are adults and they're listening to this, you guys, you did awesome. You did amazing. Our little troopers that can be flexible and show up anywhere and just feel comfortable. <laughs> Do school in French or in Portuguese. yeah, or make friends that don't speak English. It's really, really amazing. Our kids are amazing. I've learned so much about how to adapt from them. Yeah, they're very adaptable and they've grown a year older. So we left in February in Chicago and got to Brazil next. Warm climate. And then I died. And then what happened? You died. Second let's, day. Let's describe that. I get sick, really dehydrated and like rolling fevers to the point I was hallucinating at one point. Luckily, we picked our adventure to start with our doctor friends and they took very good care of me. But I ended up exhausting myself to get to Brazil. So we look at things in three-year goals. Megan came home from a conference one day and said, hey, just learned this this concept of we make two goals too short and we need to have these three-year goals. Yeah, so and the idea was everybody tries to jam in a whole bunch in a year, but really if you spread it out over three years and see how much you can actually accomplish, then that's 36-month periods are really... It's beautiful. Yeah, really It's incredible. right. It's accurate. Because when you make these transitions in your life, they're like phases. 2018 was like crash and inspiration right we took a big leap in 2019 it was really clean up like after we sold the house and everything we were able to pay some debts and we had to manage money differently we had to manage the company differently we just like everything had to shift and we shifted through this whole time right and it started in brazil with me getting sick immediately and having these fevers and being taken care of but i relied on my physicality and my speaking that was the two things that i was going to get to brazil with that I could still leverage to have some momentum in my life. And then I got super sick and it turns out I get this virus and then I get like seven sores in my mouth. I can't even talk. It's painful to yeah, eat. Yeah, it was like, really scary, actually. Yeah, it was, and it was like three and a half weeks. It took me about four and a half weeks to get right. right? And So here's us just having arrived in a new place. Feeling, I was already feeling a little shaky and doubtful, like, oh God, do we make the right decision? How are we going to do this? And then you get sick, and it was it was a lot to go through. Well, it was like a it was an immediate death. It took away my two main weapons, physicality and speaking, and I collapsed in despair and insecurity, and had to go through a process of I don't feel like I deserve this life. I'm escaping. I'm doing it like all these things that society is kind of like throwing at us. And one of the the things that I did intentionally was move really fast to go from, we had this idea 43 days later on market, have a contract in two days, negotiated in two weeks, sold in 109 days and in Brazil in 150 days, because I knew it would be shocking to the family and everyone around us to the point where we could leave while everyone was still in shock <laughs> before they could, start expressing disdain and displeasure and all these other things that they eventually do. Start do. putting the hooks in to pull you back. Yeah, because they just don't believe you should be doing what you're doing. And what about the children? And like things that 
they don't really have straight in their life, but they want to impose in yours. I, I feel really good about that, but I was also in shock and you were also in shock mm-hmm. going in there and then having this immediate death that really put me in such a vulnerable position that I had to get my demons straight really quick. Mm-hmm. It took about five weeks, six weeks. We had a really powerful conversation on the beach in one of the towns, Balneario. Yeah. And I don't, I don't remember actually what was said, but I remember that to be a turning point. I was at the point of despair, I think, where I was choosing it. And you really put it like right in front of me. You were choosing this, like you have a choice to choose this otherwise. And you have a choice, you know, how do you actually want to feel? And it was a really big question of how do I want to feel? Like, do you want to feel like a victim to your life or do you want to feel empowered in your life? Well, and here we are in this paradise and here we are and I'm not enjoying it. I'm not, and we're living this dream. And it, it takes a while when you decide to take on your dream and you do it. To, to allow yourself to enjoy it because all the noise in your head about, at least for me, was about why I don't deserve it. You're not good enough. You're I mean, that's, good that enough. was my dragon. Like basically, I've semi-retired to do this. If anyone told me five years ago, I was crazy ambitious. I was like, yeah, I'm going to sell my company for 20, 30, 50 million dollars, whatever the fuck it is. Like I have this ambition to grow, right? And I... I killed ambition before I left, right? I decided I'm going to test out what it's like to not have any ambition. But if you had told me that by doing what I'm doing, by semi-retiring now, I would actually set myself for up for actually selling my company four or five years from now, my brother at the helm and it working and I'm in the black, all this stuff would work better if I did this dream life. I would have been like, fuck you, no way. <laughs> You're crazy. There's no way you could have your dream life and that lead to a dream life later it would be like it's some sort of sacrifice but in fact by removing all of the social contracts and constructs and people's opinion living out a dream life i've unlocked the ability to potentially retire at like 45 years old if i sell mm-hmm. this company and not 55 million dollars but like really just any exit yeah I'm, there's I'm something yeah there's something really incredible there that the closer we get to living our dream the harder it is to accept. And I don't know if maybe anybody else listening has had something similar to that. But yeah, you're really confronted with, oh my God, am I worthy of this? Do I deserve this? Is it, am I good enough for this? And it brings up all of the insecurities of, holy shit, this is possible. And that's why I think sometimes it's easier to not go for your dreams, to not try to live it out. Because what, what do you have to face when you do? And that's, you've confronted me on the same thing as well. When we were in Belgium and I was having my, my breakdown. In the middle was, of your dream state. Yeah, it was like literally, I'm, I'm back in Belgium with my family. We're traveling around the world and I just hit my own shit storm. And, and it open was open relationship, like you have many I, I have an abundance of love. I have an abundance of love. We have, we have so many supportive friends and family and I'm just falling apart because it brought up for me all of the, I, like, I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. And I, I'm really glad. I'm really glad that all of that surfaced because I, that's where I was living my life. I think, you know what, if I can sum up this year in one word, it would be a reorientation or a realignment. And I know that that started the end of 2018, but really 2019 was like, if, if my energy or vision of life is like, um, maybe I just use the theme of a chiropractor, you know, when you go into a chiropractor and you get your spine all realigned, I kind of felt like that with, with my life, like body, mind, spirit, soul, just whatever all that stuff is purpose. It just was like, crack, crack, crack. I would go to a functional muscle therapist. Oh, okay. It's a little more advanced. A little bit, a little bit fancier. fancier. Does more. All right. Of course. But I call it the cleanup year. You know, if 
2019 was the catalyst, or 2018 was the catalyst year. 2019 was execution and cleanup. And I feel like we cleared a lot of noise. And I feel like if you chase any of those dreams, relationship dreams, like it took me 14 months of a wild, scary, big leaps with my other partner and to really establish a relationship. So that was also a big thing that I stepped into this dream. And there's this, you know, any dream that you chase, like the hero's journey will tell you, will cost you. It is a, it is you are someone who you are right now and you're shifting the transition to somebody else and you, and you go through this metamorphosis and these two worlds can't live at the same time. You can't live in your old world and have your dream because the dream is it's a new essentially world. a breaking yeah. of the world you're a breaking free of the world you're in and a, and a new birth of who you are in the future and uh, in this dream. And so you'd go through all of the phases of the hero. You go through meeting your mentors, the cognitive dissonance, you go through having to change your mind and then having tests and allies and enemies appear and then having to kind of go into your inner cave and, and practice and then come out through this ordeal, which is, which is I think phase eight of the hero's journey And this ordeal, you go through things like an identity death and you fully step over the threshold and you're in this new world fully. And you have to go through this atonement or like this forgiveness of yourself and others as you go, but then you get the reward. You know what? I feel like, I just felt the whole polyamory journey in that. Anyone that has started their journey or stepped into the journey of being able to love more than one person at a time, it is this journey. It's like first your world of monogamy is it's closed. Everything's closed, not possible. And then you have to come up with this this possibility that you actually could love more than one person at a time. And then and then you go through all of the challenges, which is everyone else around you, especially people that know you, friends and or close friends and family or your partner. <laughs> exactly. Where it's like, that's not possible or that it brings up all these fears. And it is it is this serious journey. And it does bring you to that dream state of allowing, of believing that that more is possible. Yeah. And accepting yourself as weird or outside of the norm is what you need to be in order to be in your dream. My partner and I were talking when she pulled back and she's like, I don't want she had a breakdown date. She's like, I don't want to be weird. I'm like, well, do you want to be normal? She's like, well, no, I'm like, well, weird or normal. Pick one. Right. Like and and really, as as we started discussing it, I'm like, you discussed how you don't fit in society the way you are right now. We discussed how you have this view of openness, how you have this view of not wanting mm-hmm. to be contained and that this normal life of hidden or lying that happens in structures of relationships you're around doesn't work for you, right? Mm-hmm. So that's normal to have this partnership that you agree to on paper. It looks good. It's good for a little while. And then it starts breaking down, but no one's talking about it. So everybody cheats, right? This is like normal. Yeah. In her world and a lot of people's world. So do you want to be normal or do you want to break that and be weird? We have to accept this new identity is outside of this. Yeah, and I think we I think world. we fear because we lose part of our community. Well, we we're, lose our own identity, too. Yeah. We, well, we're killing uh-huh. off an identity and we're gaining a new one. Yeah. So we have to learn how to be in this new identity. And then we have to learn who the allies and enemies of that new identity are. And we go through all these tests. Right. And then, but the, really a big part of it is forgiveness. And a part of it for me was turning my company over to my brother to run. Right. That happened in when we were traveling with my partner and before, like when I was still figuring it out, everybody joined us. My brother was there and my brother and my partner, they connected really well, but I couldn't, I couldn't let go. My brother became my business partner 
I gave him 30% of the company in the CEO position, well-deserved. He's very stable. It's growing very good. A year has proved that I made the right decision. Mm -hmm. But I didn't let go when I gave him the company. I felt guilty for having burdened him with the company because mm -hmm. I had felt burdened. And I didn't see it as a gift that I was giving him. I didn't see that I gave this 26-year-old, 27-year-old a 30% stake in a company and CEO position and authority and that I gave him a challenge that was worthy of him and that he wants and that he has ambition for. I, I, and because we sold the house and everything else, we, I was able to clean it up. So we were able to clean it up together. So it's in the black. It's stable. It's growing. It's 130 clients. Like it's able to be done. Mm -hmm. You can do something with it. But I was hanging on to it so much. It, and I couldn't believe him face to face that I had given him something he wanted. Uh, and so I, I kept whatever he said to me, I wouldn't accept. And it took our trip where he's talking to you and he's talking to my partner and then his friend who I love Linda comes and she's sweet as hell and we have a, a good connection and I'm communicating with her and so I'm hearing from my partner Megan I'm hearing from my new partner who just met him who connected with him and then his best friend and roommate that Xavier's great and that everything's great and that I need to just let go trust trust, trust. right so trust I really needed to let year. go and trust in in that and that was also a part of forgiving myself so there's this big part Forgive, the etymology of forgive is to let go. I had to let go of the reins of that. I had to let go of my previous identity. I had to let go of control. Yeah. You had a big year of forgiveness. Yeah. You learned forgiveness. I rem I think I've Ash. talked about this before, maybe in the first podcast. So full, full circle that you learned forgiveness with your partner, you know, on, our trip. on, a, on a trip by a fire. It just was one conversation. And I think that, yeah, well, it was one major conversation, I think, that started it. But I think that that ability to forgive, it allows you to let go of the past. So anything, and this goes for partners or couples or anyone that's that's carrying things. And for myself, too, the more we carry, it's like a wound that we're carrying into the future from the past. Yeah, and the ability, thing. so our ability, though, to heal is to forgive. And to forgive, you actually have to look at the wound. You have to be with the wound. And there's a process with that of this. What were the two the two pieces? Well, can I, can I jump into yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Because the forgiveness is pretty big. And I think there was a great lesson in 2019 for this. It started with a conversation where I'm sitting across the table and still just real, just realizing that there is this huge connection between me and her and I'm we're super vulnerable. And she's like, you know, I see your shield and I see your pain. And she goes to me, I have one word for you. And I'm super receptive to her at this moment. It's like this unlocked vulnerability. And she goes, it's forgiveness. And I almost burst into tears in the restaurant that we were in. And I, it all stemmed around me being so angry with religion and this way that people use it. And I got kicked out of Catholic school and there was this nun that was kind of the avatar of my hatred and anger and she's dead and she tortured me. And I have this no like hate, really clear hate for this woman. And I kept getting pushed by my partner to like, I have to forgive. And so we're here in this beautiful place and there's a fire and all these stars. I'm with basically my new little family, my tribe, and I pick up a stick, like make like a little voodoo doll type of stick. And I'm like, yeah, throw this in the fire when I actually forgive her. Because I know we have a finite amount of energy and I don't want to hate in my life. Like I made an active decision to not want to hate. Not that I 
not that I just instantly stopped hating things or people, but I didn't want to hate anymore. I didn't want to be consumed by that. Hate only consumes me, yeah. right? And so I hate this woman who's dead. She made that also clear. It was like, okay, I hate and have spite for a woman that's dead. Like, and I'm basically an atheist, so I don't believe like I can spite her later, right? Like, <laughs> you know, like so, so that cognitive dissonance was clear. And I sat with this, this. I have a finite amount of energy and some of this energy is going to this woman who doesn't yeah. really deserve it. I call it energy leaks. It is. Anytime we haven't forgiven something, we have an open wound, it's something, it's just, it's it's leaking our vital force, our so, energy of life. So to forgive, to let go, I waited, I took 15 minutes before I authentically decided to throw those that voodoo doll into the fire. <laughs> and my brother was watching me and I didn't know. And he's like, is he going to throw things in here? Because he knows that I'm, I am of my convictions. Mm-hmm. Like as soon as I say I'm going to do it, I do it. So watch out. Yeah. How did that feel for you? It felt freeing until the next thing where like I throw it all in there and then she turns to me. She's like, no, have gratitude for her. I'm like, fuck you. I'm not going to give you. No, you said forgiveness. You didn't say anything about gratitude. I do not have any reason to give this woman gratitude. And that took another couple of weeks before I was really like, what can I? What could you be grateful for? That woman drove me to the point where when I was 10 years old, I wrote a suicide note about if they sent me back to her counseling where she would tell me and basically try to convince me that my parents' divorce is all my fault and all these other things that I would kill myself. And I, I learned it. It might be my only way out of these meetings that were weekly and for years. Right? And so I I don't think I ever left not crying or screaming, right? which is like not therapy. No. And so what I never really told anyone because that letter was like to get out of it a loophole in the Mm -hmm. system but what I never really told anyone is that letter was serious right and that I was a suicidal 10 year old right and so but that note that methodology was also written in one of the deepest states of despair I hadn't talked to my I think my mother just came back in my life after a year not talking to her crazy crazy divorce I ended up thanking her for resilience resilience Hey, it's Megan to ask you a quick question. Does this resonate with you? Maybe you feel how I felt so many times listening to a podcast where I feel like people are talking directly to me, like they're lighting up something that's in me already. So if that is how you're feeling, I invite you to consider something. Become an Amory patron. What does that mean? That means we've got more content for you. We've got more of our journey that we can share with you. There's so much more that we can't put into the podcast format. We've got two years of journal entries, hundreds of pages that we want to share with you. We've got video journals. We've got more ways to express our learning along the path of polyamory than can fit in podcast. So please consider stopping the podcast right now and taking a look at the link. Just go to the link in our show notes and take a look at what we've got on on Patreon. And if it resonates with you, just join, become a patron for a few things. It can bring more light into the path that you might be on right now so we can support you more that way. And you you would also be supporting us so we can get this conversation more out into the world. We can normalize love in all of its forms. We can create this to be the world that we want to live in. And that takes all of us. And it takes all of us putting a commitment out there. Our commitment is to keep recording these podcasts for you. And we hope that you find value in them and then you can add your commitment back to us saying, hey, we value you. We're going to join you as a patron and we're going to support this journey more. 
I have to tell you, every time somebody signs up as a patron, it makes my heart light up. I'm like, oh my God, they're out there. Our people are out there. The people that are changing this world as we know it are out there. And that's you. So if this message is resonating with you, please don't do what I do, which is, oh, I'll do it later. Please take a moment and stop and join us at patreon.com backslash Amory podcast. The link is in all of our show notes and become a patron. Become a, join us on this journey even closer so that you can support yourself on this beautiful unfolding that is your life. Okay, that's my message for now. Back to the episode. Yeah. I, she broke me so much that I got to a point where I did the ultimate thing to fight for my own life. Mm-hmm. It's where I started fighting for my own life. Mm. Wow. And yeah, and then it turned me into a fucking animal. At that point, then like my grades went to D's and F's and I, I graduated high school with a 1.71 GPA. I was kicked out of my first high school. But I feel like yeah. what happened for you younger, and this is from an outside perspective, is that you broke a lot of the rules that a lot of people live by their whole life that you have to do what other people say and that like basically externalizing your power and you figure that out as a 10 year old you know like i i can yeah. reclaim this and i want to write my own rules well yeah yes no it was partially empowered that way and partially mm. a necessity yeah i'm a third culture kid my father's indian and dark my mom's an alcoholic my neighborhood is primarily white it's like one other kid of color in the class Father's Hindu, my Catholic school, you know, a bunch of people think that's voodoo. I have, you know, a really hard time participating in the masses. I know very little about, even though I've been in Catholic school for seven years. Like, there's a lot kind of, I didn't fit in. I got bullied a lot. So for me, it was uh, the rules are killing me. And the people around me following the rules don't accept me in these rules. So it was like, I learned very quickly that rules are bullshit and that I could make my own. Yeah. And I also learned how to code switch, and I think that was really big. So we we have diverged a little bit yeah. from our what? Sorry. No, no apologies. What did we learn this year? But I feel like bring it back full circle. It was forgiveness. And it was forgiveness, and that then collapsed all of these past traumas, like yeah. all of this stuff that stemmed from ten years old that I had an energy leak on. Yeah. In two thousand nineteen, this was a prime example of a major forgiveness that then led to a whole bunch, like a domino effect of forgiveness and forgiveness Mm -hmm. and like all the way through where I have a handful of things in my life to clean up your family Mm -hmm. if I ever want to. Right. And like, there are some that I'm just like, okay, well I'm going to give myself time on, but yeah, forgiveness is a huge key. Yeah. I've seen you shift in that. I lost a friend over that this year Mm -hmm. too, because he refused to believe that you can forgive anyone and I realized that the energy match was not there mm-hmm. and that it was like kind of a, a power thing for him. And I'm not interested in those types of power dynamics. And I, and yeah. I just let the friendship go. Yeah. Those are sad. They're sad moments. But yeah, it's... it was a good friendship in a lot of ways. Yeah. When you realize, I think that's what this year has been either for me, I see bonding relationships because our values or beliefs are really similar or it, I have felt very distant from people where the values and beliefs keep growing apart. And it's sad. Like, it's sad. I want to take everybody with me. I want to be like, hey, guys, this is a whole new world. We can write our own rules and you can you can create the life of your dreams and it's possible. And we don't have to carry around the hatred from, you know, years before we can heal ourselves. And I have like all of this desire to want to bring people I love on this journey. 
And yeah, uh, can I make an, a notation of that? Yeah. Not this journey. Not, not yeah. this exact journey, but like on a journey of, of having the, the ability, life that you want, having the ability to change your mind, your belief systems, question where you're at and start to tailor your life in a way that suits you and not one that is dictated by society. So, exactly. I wasn't right. talking about being polyamorous. I was talking right. about like create the life living that you desire to. Yeah. And maybe a lot of people are living by their values. They just have different values or the first default values. First, identify what you value now because a lot of it's mm. hidden. And a lot of those beliefs that you have hidden are the insecurities that we had to face throughout yeah. the year. And it was, for me, I think two deaths, Brazil, and then going back to Chicago in the summer where I had to face my family and that like I, was, I had a lot of fear going back. Um, and I had three hard weeks, three of the best weeks in Chicago I've ever had in my life in the summer. And then a lot of small deaths, little, mm -hmm. little wins here and there. And uh, it was a lot of letting go, a lot of forgiveness in all those times. But then you had your three-month death. Yeah, God, that was a big one. Uh, people can go back and listen to that episode that we recorded. Yeah. Well, it was almost there was the a end. couple, too. Yeah. It was like your, when you had surgery. Right. Yeah. In Brazil. That was a big transformation. So like I never I don't know if I've actually talked about that. So I'd like no? to take a couple minutes. No. That uh, was a huge transformation. It was a physical It was a physical transformation. But, but emotional first. Yeah. Yeah. First time I think really sharing about that journey. It was so after having twins, my stomach had separated and I had diastasis recti. And you can look that up if you don't know what that is, but it's basically a separation of the stomach muscles, the whole length of the stomach muscles. And what it resulted in is just kind of a Felt like I always had a pot belly. Some people thought I was still pregnant, you know, if they hadn't met me before. And it was talk about energy leak. That was a huge energy leak for me. Huge because I would put on clothes every day. I know myself to be a secure person. I've really never been. Oh, he's shaking his head. No. <laughs> All right. How how my perception was of myself, maybe pre twins, was more. I don't know. Like no damn it all right why what was what's your your perception you're a beautiful woman who never accepted how beautiful you are in college when we first started dating it dawned on me that this woman that i'm dating doesn't know how beautiful she is and i made her stand naked in a mirror and i talked to her about how beautiful mm, her body was you and, did. right you did and like it worked a little bit but I think you didn't really get over that until you finally served yourself and took care of yourself yeah. with the surgery. Yeah. Like now, like you finally understand. Maybe it's like a reclaiming of my body for me. And I, I went through a huge insecurity with it. Not only, not only having my stomach the way it was and having my thoughts go to it. Every time I try on clothes, every time I look at myself in the mirror, it would just, it would just pop up. I had an Audi belly button. Uh, I was always concerned about trying to hide that. And I just didn't feel good. And I, we were rock climbing before and I, I was exercising. I'd gone to do a, a year of physical therapy to try to heal that, you know, that divide yeah. that, yeah, the gap and nothing, nothing worked. And then I went through all these judgments in my head. Like who, who am I if I want to have plastic surgery to fix this? Because I had judged people that had had plastic surgery. Well, you're taught that because in the United States, this is an elective surgery, but everywhere else in the fucking world, this is mandatory surgery because it actually affects your spine and your organs and your fun functionality, right? So first you've been trained 
that you don't deserve this because it's a lecket. That's really the insurance company saying, no, I don't want to pay for it. Yeah, right? like, no, this is cosmetic. You don't yeah, really need cosmetic. it. You don't really need it. Yeah, your, you're right. Your heart it's... surgery is cosmetic. I would love to have it flip-flopped, <laughs> yeah, to be like men. Okay, men, you go through the birth of having children, and then your body gets all messed up. Your stomach muscles are not functional, but we consider that totally No, elective. it's not just men in this position. It's the entire industry. And no, but I'm just saying I it. think men write the so, health insurance law. Anyways, that's yeah, okay. my two cents. They probably do. They probably do. As we go to Brazil, though, it's funny because you go into these phases of she's like, I don't know how I'm going to do on the anesthesia because I've never had surgery before. I'm like, you had a fucking C-section. Yeah, I did. And then I'm like, and you've done a lot of drugs. And so far, <laughs> none of the drugs have affected you like this. Like in your life, you're a party girl. Like, come on. Uh, right? Like, you can handle it. Well, let me go back. I had so much fear. <laughs> so first I had judgment against myself for even wanting the surgery. And then I had a lot of fear of going in and even the recovery time, because even at that point, I had gotten the rest of my body back to a state where I was like, oh, sweet, like I can I can go rock climbing. I feel good in my body. And now I'm going to go mess it up again and have a six month recovery time. It's quite an intense surgery for anybody that doesn't know about it, because they had to sew me up basically from the top to the bottom of my stomach muscles. And then they cut part of the skin. And so the skin was healing. The muscles were healing. It's an intense recovery. Yeah. Yeah. It's a and routine surgery for so them now. So here's where I had to go through, am I worth it for myself? So the judgment that I had for other women specifically getting elective surgery or plastic surgery, I had major judgment there. And I had to work through that for myself to go, you know, judging myself for even wanting the surgery. And then the recovery part. And you, you were so fantastic the whole time. You're like, do the surgery or don't do the surgery. And behind you, if you want to talk about it, great. And I just, you held this amazing space for me where I had to see all my demons. I had to see what was coming up because you were just so neutral about it. You're like, I'm here. If you you want to do it? Great. We're in Brazil. It costs a third well, of the ladies, price. Ladies, if you don't, that's all right. Let me, let me help you, ladies. Uh -huh. We're in 2019. Some people are becoming cyborgs. In the next <laughs> 10 years, right, we will be experimenting with human integrated circuits, right? So at this point... Have your fucking surgery, right? Get what you need. We're in the dawn of the yeah. best age of it. <laughs> I realize that now having done it. Okay, so I had to journal it out. I remember the day. You know what I will do? I will share this on Patreon for people that are curious because I journaled. I journaled about this and that really helped me process, process it. And the small kind of the summary was I don't judge anyone that feels like the surgery that they want to do is re-empowering for themselves. Like I wouldn't judge anyone that feels like they were born into the the wrong sex body and they want to change their, their physical body for that. I'm like, fantastic, empower yourself. You were born into a male body and you feel female, great, change it and vice versa. And I was like, oh my God, I have a space for that in me and compassion for people like that. And I can't even have compassion for me to fix my own stomach. Whoa whoa that was like ding 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 why am i doing that but i want to have i want to give myself a shout out for two things um one is i didn't wait to connect like at this point kyle and i had already been dating for about a year you know i never let my body hold me back from engaging in that relationship so that's where i meant i felt confident you know like i didn't i wasn't like oh god i can't be with another man because my stomach isn't fixed it was like well whatever this is how my body is right now and True. and i never felt that either from you or him that i was imperfect in any way i always felt totally supported totally sexy and i felt sexy for myself too so that's what i meant that i had i did have this kind of confidence 
train of thought for the number the second two. thought the uh, second thought for shout oh out. yeah a shout out when we were in brazil before i decided to even have the surgery i bought myself a bikini and i laid on the beach and i was like this is my body this is how i am no body shaming for myself i can do it i don't need the surgery because i'm capable of this right now and i think that for me was kind of my trial that i had to go through which was i'm not getting the surgery because i feel inadequate of you know of being here. I got to the point where I was like, it is leaking my energy when I think about it. And I want to use my energy to do different things in the in life. And this is taking my energy. So yeah, that that was ultimately kind of where I got to. But I'm so glad that I did the surgery. And I'm so glad Marty, you were spectacular, really for six weeks and beyond. But the six major weeks right after the surgery, being everything, point person for our kids, taking our kids to and from their school, cleaning up the place. We had hired some help too, so it was it was helpful. But you were just like, oh my God, you slept on the same bed with, on the couch because the bed didn't work out right after surgery, but I was on the couch for two weeks and you slept with me. Diagonal. Diagonal on the couch and got me water when I needed it and just massaged my feet. And I felt incredible. And that those moments of, am I, I had to receive. And that was a big thing, too, where I had to sit back and receive from everyone else around me because I'm so used to getting up and doing and doing and doing. And those those six weeks were just like, man, well, uh, sit back and receive. Thank you, because the first three and a half, four weeks of Brazil was that for me, where you yeah. were helping me because I was debilitated. Like I couldn't mm. leave the house for the first five days in, yeah. in Brazil. It's just like uh, it's killing me right when I get here. Yeah. No, thank you. I'm so glad I did that. No, I, the other insecurities we faced being parents being mm-hmm. good parents i had a problem with am i a good dad i feel like a great dad now i'm bonded with my kids i love it we we travel our life is unusual our kids have their challenges but all kids have their challenges our kids challenges are just international and, and yeah they continue to surprise and teach us yeah i had to get over my insecurity if i deserved her love and that you uh, said it was actually harder harder to receive her love than it was to let me go and see me love someone else. Because I think that was down to your core root insecurity of, am I lovable? Yeah. 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 The question, am I lovable, is really what it comes down to. And I think because she was not, and still not fully, of this world, that my ask of her to be in my life and in a relationship with me was too much for her for me to ask of anyone Mm -hmm. and I'm not lovable enough or worthy enough for someone to modify their life for me but she hasn't she's modified her life for herself and it Mm -hmm. just so happens to work right and it took it took time for me like I'm gonna go visit her very soon in like five days like last minute and yeah. So we're in Australia and Marty is flying across January the world 1st. <laughs> January 1st to so, come back January 12th. But I knew in that moment, like I'm putting pressure on her in her in her home area, mm-hmm. but I had to let her have that pressure. I no longer take that on as mine. I get the transparency. I'm like, it's a very romantic gesture. And at the same time, maybe that's what you you need of it is it's, it's romantic, but it doesn't logistically work and we can move the date mm-hmm. or something like that. But she chose to take on that challenge and I'm choosing to support her in that challenge without taking on I'm a burden yeah I can't wait to hear we'll record a podcast when you come back from from that adventure I'm really interested I want to thank her as well I so oh there's some part of me that's like 
I know that she had to go through the same journey that we had to go through, which is shifting into this world of being polyamorous. And I know that that's a really big, it's a really big shift to break down the mental paradigm of monogamy and to feel inside that kind of that dissonance between how you feel inside and then what the outside world is telling you. But I'm just so, I'm so thankful for her being in, in our lives and in your life, the way that she is and all the adventures that she's taken on to join us with this year. Yeah. yeah. And, and to really be clear, like stepping into this world of polyamory isn't just about polyamory. Like if you're considering this or you're in the process of doing this, it's not just your relationship structures, to the outside world that you're changing. You're actually declaring a whole different rule book. And this mm -hmm. affected how she looked at her career, where she looks at how she lives, which is how she relates to her family. It changes fucking everything. But it's all necessary to change. Like, you can't just be like, I'm polyamorous. Everything else stays the same. It just doesn't. You're going to go through a transformation. You're going to go through the hero's journey of having to face insecurities. There's going to be tests. There's going to be new allies. There's going to be a whole new community you mm -hmm. discover of support and love and care. And then there's some forgiveness to be had. And then, then when you do this and you break some primal rule, like how we couple or how we relate or how we make love or all of these things in the world, well, it's going to open your eyes. And once you see you know, like behind the curtain, uh, you start applying that to other areas like career. And... Well, you look at where you're living on default. And then when yeah. you start to empower yourself to shift and create the rules that work for you, like the relationship structures that work for you, then you start to look at other places where you're like, whoa, why am I living on default rules? Uh, what rules or beliefs can I shift that more align with my values? And Which you're right, it goes everywhere. Speech, right? So yeah. my, my, my speech title that I'm writing for how to change your mind and, and your beliefs and challenge those things and transform is called living beyond default right and it is these default settings that we accept yeah yeah, yeah. it's beautiful it's kind of like people with the iphone right i'm a <laughs> pixel user so i'm about to insult a whole bunch of people. Uh -oh. Uh -oh. But people with their iphone are like it's the best phone ever apple makes it so easy to use it's never got any problems except for you're at the apple store twice a year with like i ran out of memory i don't know why what's icloud for what what do I, am i paying for because you, you put zero effort <laughs> into ever getting beyond the default settings that come out of the box. Like you just assume that the phone should bend to your will, even though you have no technical skill and you've never bothered to get on YouTube for an hour to learn how or take a class or a course or just really understand your phone. So you just live on this default set of settings and you're not getting the value out of that phone that it could produce for you. Right. So simple. Life is a lot like your stupid iPhone. Right? <laughs> get off of the default. If settings. You, yeah, yeah. Get out of the default settings. What are you doing? that's just accept it out of the box. And does that work for you? Or is there a modification or some configuration of your life that would enhance your experience of it? Yeah. And so polyamory is like is... a fully used iPhone. <laughs> exactly. There you go. Redeemed for, <laughs> redeemed for the iPhone users. Fully, fully, <laughs> fully used, leveraged, fully leveraged iPhone. iPhone. So. One of the last things I want to talk about is this, the podcast, Emery. This wasn't even in the realm of possibility in the beginning of the year. And I, I explained more. Kyle and I talked a lot about it. So I'll kind of keep, keep it shorter on this side. But what I love about it is your willingness to just step into it. Like I had this feeling where I shared with you and then I shared with Kyle that, oh my God, I, I feel like we've been writing about this and journaling and I want to share it and I don't know what that looks like, but I got, I got really, I could feel it like a creative force coming up in me that was like, oh fuck, this is a train. This is like, 
train going like super fast and I will not be able to stop it. It's going to happen. And you were just spectacular with it. You're like, Thank no you. problem. And the courage that it takes. It didn't take really... a lot of courage I, I, for me. I, it took a lot of courage for you. I'm very proud of you. <laughs> You've stepped into your journey of self-expression. This has been an amazing thing to witness. I stepped into that at 10 years old, that suicide letter. I stepped you, into the point of, I'm going to speak my mind. I've been in my okay, world so, of self-expression. Wait, wait, this is different. To a fault. You've, so <laughs> you've been expressing for all those years, but the courage that this takes for you now is to allow me to take the lead on this and for you to be shared in a vulnerable way where... For example, I just did a presentation in Chicago in front of 100 people. This was back in November, and I was the one speaking. And it was a short presentation. Obviously, in five minutes, you can't talk about this whole, our whole entire lives and our belief structure and everything that we've got connected to it. And you and Kyle both sat there and just listened. And it was well, my story. You, well, well, can I explain this one? This go last for it. One? Go for okay, it. so this is Megan's kind of culmination of self-expression as we return to Chicago. Five minutes, 15 seconds to slide. They advanced automatically. And she's coming out to a room of 100 people. And so we have this new joke that Megan walks into <laughs> a room, finds a table, jumps up on it, and goes, Hi, I'm Megan. I'm polyamorous. There's my husband. There's my boyfriend. Thank you. Bye-bye. Right? It's because in this presentation, I knew I was going to be in the presentation. I knew you were going to discuss me. I knew that we were both there to support you. I didn't know that you were in the middle of this presentation going to point us out in the audience. <laughs> Right. It caused me yeah, what a, did that bring a mini up for breakdown. You? Like it mm -hmm. caused me, I was uncomfortable. I was already uncomfortable because this is the first room of a hundred people that speak English. I've been in in three months. This mm -hmm. is the first time I can understand the whole room in a while. I'm overwhelmed. I'm surprised that I'm overwhelmed. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm going through kind of this cultural shock uh, of reentering the culture. And all of a sudden I get this feeling of, what I was later kind of thinking about as emasculation, like what happened to me. And the reason why it was like that is because Megan's expressing this for the first time. And she left it very ambiguous about who Kyle and I are to each other and who this, how this relationship mm -hmm. structure works. So not that I was worried about people thinking me and Kyle are gay. That's happened a lot. And it's, it's not the case. And I can explain it very clearly that even I've investigated that about my own beliefs. Like, what do I like? But it was actually the ambiguity that killed mm. me. But instead of being mad at you, which I think would have been the past version mm -hmm. of myself, putting that blame on you, I've already said, no, you can say whatever you want. The insecurity that pops up is mine to deal with. And so I wrote about it and I journal about what is what is emasculation? Is that really the right term to use? And why do I feel that way? And if it is really the term means to take away manhood, then it or masculinity, then where do I believe my masculinity lived? And what is defining my masculinity that has been threatened? Ambiguity is this experience of, oh, well, people could think you're a cuckold or somebody that's, that likes to be humiliated and all these things that aren't accurate about me, right? So it's more about the misrepresentation of me. And then I had to go through this whole process of why do the labels even matter, Yeah. right? And how, well, I think the labels matter when you're trying to find yourself and you're trying to identify where how you feel the labels can be very helpful but then if you overuse the label then you can pigeonhole yourself from any sort of growth or mm -hmm. evolution of that and so i really had to go through that whole process but it is an exposure that i had to get used yeah. to but i live by this proverb you can't take anything from a naked man and this is something naked human naked <laughs> human is my father's old it's an old uh -huh. or Urdu proverb but it essentially means like live with your no skeletons and i have them all out there and you can yeah. attack them and you can say whatever you want about me, 
but I've kind of positioned myself in life to be somewhat impervious to those attacks. And really the only things that happen to me now are my own internal breakdowns when I have these moments of insecurity. So maybe that's what I want to commend you on because your whole process of that, I saw you as a different human being than you were even a year ago. And that's what I mean is that your willingness to go through and be recorded and share at this level and then also be in an audience where you're not the one directly in control of the exact words or concepts or ideas that get shared. That's a whole nother like level. Taker. Yeah, that's a whole nother level of you. And that's what I find. Courageous. So then let me summarize 2019. Okay, in this. go for it. The practice of getting over and moving through insecurities to go from fearing insecurities to welcoming them. And the reason why I finally welcome them is because of this hero's journey transformation. Insecurities are the hidden beliefs that rule my world, that rule our world. We fear insecurities because we fear not like we've been taught that change is bad, but change is inevitable. Mm -hmm. so embracing and change and getting in flow and facing insecurities is much better planned. Yeah. Also, because we've faced so many insecurities and overcome them, I now have a recent history of positive experiences of facing an insecurity yeah. directly, investigating it, challenging my belief structure, finding a better belief structure that works better for who I am, that's more aligned with who I am, practicing that new belief structure, and then changing, and then getting the reward of that change. Mm -hmm is peace of mind which is freedom which is all love which is all these things that i want are on the other side of these insecurities so now that i've faced so many insecurities this year i have a fuck ton of insecurities experience points <laughs> i have a lot of confidence that when i see a new insecurity not to run from it but to run at it yeah because i know that if i face that insecurity find the hidden belief and do this whole process i will be rewarded with something that i yeah. really want you changed your relationship to insecurities right yeah. so i i really felt like 2019 was a year of cleanup and 2020 will be a year of growth oh fuck yeah that's a high five ladies and gentlemen and people humans so yeah 2019 i'm really proud of us proud i don't know if that's the right word happy i'm really happy i'm really I, happy I've, with I've decided to change the word usage of mm -hmm. proud to happy Proud is like, I'm proud of myself. Well, no, I'm happy with myself, yeah. right? Like yeah. happy is the state of being I want. Pride is not necessarily no. the state of being I want. Happy. Right? I'm really happy with us. I'm happy with us. I want to have or share some gratitude for you for everything you just mentioned. Everything. Your willingness to look at your own insecurities, to move through them, to for the incredible father that you are, Marty. You really are. You're, I couldn't have asked for a better partner in this life to raise kids with. And for your support with me over the last year, everything from the surgery to my breakdown in Belgium to just stepping up to the podcast, just in this fully, I think embracing your fully supportive role of me and not having to take the lead that way and let me experience myself as, as the leader in a way that I, I've never experienced it. And it's really, it's really big. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your allowing and supporting the growth of a new love in my mm, life and pleasure. being an amazing mother and having the vision of this adventure and really taking leadership and this podcast. And I want to thank everyone listening to this podcast and like the people that we've connected to on Instagram and things like that. I'm grateful for yeah. how kind you are, how receptive you've been, mm. the, the amazing messages and kindness and encouragement. And when I get nervous or down or feel left out, I get this little notice or note from mm. somebody that's like breathes 
fuel into my yeah. veins to continue to be vulnerable and out there. So I, I'm you grateful. You do have fans, Marty Bates. Well, I'm, I'm grateful. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I have You have people that, that you, how about this? Not fans. I think it's people supporters. Support. So I actually think it's people whom we resonate with. So there's something in us when we share, it resonates within you and then you share that back to us and then it, it's this beautiful feedback loop. And yeah, I'm really grateful as well. I've, I feel like we found a community, a really beautiful, yeah. amazing, courageous, vulnerable, quirky, fun, loving community. And I'm so happy, so happy to be considered a part of it. So yeah, thank you guys. Yeah, 2020 I have to learn how to be part of community. Yeah, better. it's coming. It's, it's coming. coming. It's yeah. Coming. So thank you. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, my amazing partner here. You, I'm man. so excited for 2020. Me too. Yeah, here we go. Mm. Thanks for listening to another episode of Amory. If you found value in this, it sparked a conversation with you and your partner or partners. You found better inquiries for yourself. You got some insights. You felt some growth. Or you just like hearing us talk. I encourage you to check out our Patreon page. And if you have the means, subscribe. We have levels that are just $2, like you're buying us a cup of coffee every month. Or perhaps you can afford to buy us a lunch at a cheap location for 10 bucks a month. Or you can go all in on a dinner, whatever it is. We'd love to have your support. We'd love to be able to continue this conversation ongoing uh, and really bring love into the world, because that's what it's all about. So if you like it and you have the means and you feel so inclined, please check it out. We appreciate you. We love you. Love more. Be well. You can find our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash Amory Podcast. A link is in the show notes. Thanks again.